0: Lord, we just thank you for this day that we have to come before you and to look at your word. We ask you to lead and guide as we look at the sacrifices yet again and that you will help us to understand more about them and and get them straight in our head and that you will teach us from this. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to be in Chapter 7 of Leviticus, starting at verse 1. And this continues the rules for the sacrifices. And they're the same sacrifices that we've already talked about. And, you know, when I've mentioned it before, there's this rule that if God repeats something, we need to pay attention to it. Uh, Just like the angels crying, holy, holy, holy in in Isaiah 6. And uh, here we're finding that God keeps repeating these sacrifices and what they mean, so we need to probably pay attention to what they mean. And so we're going we're to continue looking at this. We're going to be in chapter 7, starting at verse 1. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is, it is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering shall they kill the trespass offering, and the blood thereof will be sprinkled around about the altar. And he shall offer for it all the fat thereof, the rump and the fat that covereth the innards, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, which is on by the flanks, and the gall that is above the liver, with the kidneys it shall, be take, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them on the altar for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Every male among the priests shall eat thereof. It, is, it shall be eaten in the holy place. It is most holy. As is the sin offering is, so is the trespass offering. There is one law for them, the priest that maketh atonement thereof, Shall have it. The priest that offereth any man's burnt offering, even the priest shall have it to himself, the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered, and all the meat offering. Let's stop there because we're going to stop here for just a moment. Okay, so we're we're good. we're continuing on some of the rules for the practice of the offerings, and law or custom way of doing it is where we're at, and we're talking about the trespass offering. And does anybody remember which one the trespass offering is? Trespass offering is for restoration. Okay, it was offered that they the would take the lamb and it would be offered. It was for the restoration of the individual from their sin for kind of corporate overall sins. In the place where they kill the burnt offering shall they kill the trespass offering. And this is by the table in the in the court of the in the court inside the inside the walls of the tabernacle. And when they kill it, the blood thereof will be sprinkled around about the altar. So this is going to be, again, sprinkling of the blood, representation of the blood of Christ being sprinkled and covering for the sin. He shall offer it, bring it near, all of the fat. So again, we're talking about the fat belonging to God, the choice part. The rump, the the back end of this on the trespass offering is going to be presented to God. And... All of the fat that covers the innards, the two kidneys, the fat that's on them, and the flanks, and the gall, which is a. It's got two descriptions. It's either a membrane that's in there or it is a pericardium around the heart muscle, which means they're including the heart. They call it a call. Huh? They call it a call. Call. C A U L. Yeah. That's heart. Well, it's got two definitions. They're not really sure. It is a membrane. And they think specifically it was the membrane of the pericardium, which is the membrane around the heart. Um, but they know it's a membrane around some of the innards. I have no idea. Um, that is about the liver, above the liver, and the kidneys, and he shall take it away. The priest shall burn them on the altar for an offering made by the Lord. It is a trespass offering. So all basically all that innard stuff and the fat belongs to God. And there are people that say that that's the the best parts, uh, uh, and people with gout used to eat the sweet the, the sweet breads, which were all those meats and stuff, for, which were all the organ meats, and it was usually the for the it was usually very expensive, and and very, it was considered the the cream of the wow. <laughs> cream of the animal. Um, and every male among the priests shall eat thereof. So the priests were supplied by these sacrifices. We've talked about this. The priests got their support from the people coming to, the, to, the, to the, make their offerings. And some of these were mandatory offerings that they had to give. And the priests would get their portion of, of that offering. And the priests shall eat thereof it in the holy place. It is most holy. So they would eat it there in the, in the sanctuary as the sin offering is so is the trespass offering there is one law for them the priest makes atonement thereof shall have it and it means specifically that the priest that did the work got to have the reward it didn't just go to all the priests in general so you could have one priest sitting on the sideline all day long saying okay i'll have mine now if he didn't work he didn't get his share of the offerings um the priest that offered any man's burnt offering, even that priest shall have to himself the skin of the burnt offering. Again, remember we talked about the burnt offering it had to be skinned, and and the entire the entire flesh and fat was burnt, and the skin, the the hide belonged to the to that priest. And leather in that day was a very valuable commodity. And all the meat offering that is baked in the oven. And all that is dressed in the frying pan and all the pan and in the pan shall be the priest that offered it. And again, that's that bread of the meat offering. And again, remember, meat does not mean flesh. It means uh, it's the produce. It's any food. Okay? And remember that this bread for the meat offering, that was part of the sacrifice that was kind of shared with God. God got part of it. The priest got part of it. And and the person got back the meat and, and was able to... Enjoy, kind of like a one. One pastor I listened to said he called it a picnic with God. (laughs) You You offered it, and you got you got back a portion of it, and it had to be consumed in that in within one or two days, depending on why you offered it. And this, and again, the meat offering is that consecration for service. I am agreeing that I'm wanting to serve God, and I'm being consecrated set aside for service. Every meat offered, mingled with oil and dry. Shall be for, the, for all the sons of Aaron, one as much as another. So again, they are going to have this this all these cakes and and stuff that were coming in. And remember, all of these all these fried things and and baked ones were without leaven for the meal for the meat offering, without sin. And this is the law and the sacrifice of the peace offerings which he shall offer unto the Lord, if he offer it for thanksgiving. He shall offer it a sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oils and cakes mingled with oil and of fine flour fried. Beside these cakes, he shall offer in his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. He shall offer one one out of the whole oblation for a heave offering unto the Lord and it shall be the priest that sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for the thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. So we're going to look at this one. This is a peace offering. And remember we talked about there's two types of peace offerings. One is for thanksgiving and one is for the fulfillment of a vow. And we're going to start with the thanksgiving one and look at just a few key points that we've talked about before, but we're going to bring them out again. If he offers it of thanksgiving, it shall be offered with, the thanks, with thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, cakes mingled with fine flour and, and fried. These cakes shall he offer, uh, besides these cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Okay, so this is, a, this is one that is not mandatory. He can choose to give this offering or not choose to give it. And if he comes in with it for thanksgiving, it should be a joyous occasion he's going to get a bunch of it back and he's going to have a party with it but you notice that he allows leavened bread with the thanksgiving offering because this is his service it's service rendered to god for god and when we render our service it is a service that's mingled between us and god with the flesh with the leaven the sin that we have on it sometimes we We will be tempted when we are serving and being thankful. Sometimes we are going to be in in sin, but God says, I still want you to come with your thanksgiving offerings. Even though it has sin involved, I want you to bring it to me. He wants us to worship Him, to be thankful to Him, and be thankful for our salvation. Be thankful for who He is and how much He loves us and cares for us. the thanksgiving of God and this is to be a very quick offering. You have to eat all of that food, all the meat, except for the part that's given to God, had to be eaten on that day. So when you figure that you're talking about a pretty good sized animal, anywhere from a sheep to a, to a bullock, you're talking about a big meal. And it talks about this being a heave offering. They take the bump and they, they push it up to God. <laughs> You know, they get lifted up to God in a a heave offering, like, God, here's your portion. It represents our relationship between myself and God. Okay, this Thanksgiving offering is between me and God. And and that's what our Thanksgiving and, and praise should be. When we are worshiping God, it should be a time that's just me and God worshiping. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. This is a time, it's a vertical time for me. It's a time when I'm between me and God I'm not trying to impress anybody I'm not trying to make anybody say hey look at me look how spiritual I am because I'm praising God it is my time to be with God and he doesn't want us to stop because we failed and I've seen this happen often enough where people come in and they go well I just I'm not good enough for God so I'm not coming I can guarantee when and I've said it before if you stop attending your your local church and you stop getting fed you're going to fall away from God and it happens every time every time I see it you'll see it when people stop coming to church they'll drift away from God and how far into sin they go will be you know irrelevant but they'll they'll stop coming and we we hear it all the time well I worship on the mountain I worship on the lake you know the problem is they're probably not and even if they are for a short period after a while they won't because they need the building up of the rest of the people in the church. They need the the building up. Iron sharpens iron. We encourage one another. We challenge one another. We need each other to continue. And uh, and the body of Christ comes together and and we're able to heal one another and encourage one another and to build one another up. And that's why the body of Christ is so important. And we're told in Hebrews, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And so much more as you see the day approaching. And we're seeing more and more people that are saying, well, I don't need, I don't need church. I don't need, and they'll usually say, I don't need organized religion or whatever other term they use. And you know what? I'll agree to, with? I don't need organized religion either. But I need to be with the body of Christ worshiping, being taught, being built up, being edified. And without it, we will fall away from God. It's only a matter of time. I've seen it over and over in the years. You, saw, you see people who start missing services, missing services. And I'm, I'm not saying for, you know, if they've got good reasons to miss service, if somebody's going to work, then yes, that, that's one thing. But if they're just missing services because there's better entertainment on TV or what it might, whatever it might be, there's a problem. And. It will lead to a falling away. It always will. Satan lies to people and says, well, you can worship God without being around all those other Christians. And, and the problem is there is a truth. I can worship God without being around other Christians. The only problem is 90% of the time you won't. And given enough time, I'll say 100% of the time you won't if you stay away. You might start out that way, but you're not going to stay that way. And it's very important that we understand this: that we need the church, we need the body of Christ, and and we're not talking about the building that we sit in. We're talking about the people of the of Christ, oh, right. the church. And it's very important. Sharing things, share, we'll share share what God's done. Share our blessings. Share you know just share sharing the Christ to one, to one another because we are the physical showing forth of Jesus Christ now we're a very poor shadow of what of that but that is what we are, we are the body of Christ, we build one another up, we edify one another we encourage one another we you know help people come to a better place and that is very important for us to get there and it's a celebration and this offering was that celebration I'm celebrating between me and God and saying I just want to praise God and I'm going to be here with others to praise God and show my love for Him let's see and if the if the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering be eaten that same day that he of but verse 16 but if the sacrifice of the offering be a vow or a voluntary offering it shall be eaten the same day that is offered his sacrifice and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten but the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire and if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering be eaten at all on the third day, it shall be not be accepted, neither shall it be imputed unto him that offered it. It shall be an abomination, and the soul that eateth it shall bear his iniquity. Okay, so this one is you made a vow to God and you're fulfilling a vow. This is a more of a thoughtful offering to God, and it is, it is to be put in front of God and it's one that's been contemplated. It's one that's been considered and thoughtful. And you're allowed to eat that one for two days because it is the completion of some vow of service that you've made to God. And it's the completion of that service. And so this is a, one that is a little more, little more thoughtfulness involved in it a lot, a lot of time. And it can't be eaten after the third day. And the reason being, I want to turn to Lamentation 3. after Jeremiah. I'm going to start at verse 22. Lamentations 3.22 It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because of his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is per- is my portion of, say, of my soul Thereof will I have hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait on him and, the, and to the soul that seeks him. It is good for a man that he should both hope and quietly wait on the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. The idea that God's mercies are new every morning. Did you find Lamentations 3? found Lamentations 2 instead. Oh. Okay. oh. So His mercies are new. God keeps feeding us new every day. And this is one of the reasons that we have to be in His Word all the time. In, in, in the Word, learning from Him every day, learning from, other, from teachers each day, because God has new food for us all the time. And the amazing thing that I find, the more I study God's Word, the more I find that it's always new. Even if you studied the same thing over and over and over again, there's something new in it. It's powerful, it's, it's strong. God says, I'm going to give you new food. You have to have new food. He takes us into green pastures where we're able to consume new grass every day. He does not throw old food at us and say, here, just gnaw on this for a while. He says, I'm gonna give you something new. I'm gonna give you something fresh. I want you to grow on that fresh food. And, and I can tell you it's amazing. You study, you study, and study, and study, and I've told you many times how often I, I get to a place where, God, when did you add that verse? I've never seen that verse before, even though I've read the book over and over many times. There's always those places where it's like something brand new is stu- stuck in there. And God says, here's your brand new thing for today. Here's your brand new knowledge. And you study and you come to new revelations, new words from God that this this written, bur- this written book, a Logos, a written book, becomes a spoken word, a rhema, a, a real, live, living word. So it is a book that stays alive, stays alive. And people don't understand that. Until they get the Spirit teaching them from the book, they really don't understand how this book is a living book with things that are good for us. Here in the 21st century, there is stuff in the Bible that is brand new, living, Just as relevant today as it was two, three thousand years ago, four thousand years ago when it was written, it is an amazing book to read because it is alive. It is something that gives us fresh food, relevant food to our life, and I love it. It's wonderful to to see this, and God is saying that you know He wants us to be very much into His Word and and learning from Him. And contemplating on it, and always having new food. Any thoughts or comments before I move on? If you're eating the old food, it's not accepted, and that was what verse 18 said. It's not accepted to eat the eat it after it's past its its time, and it's not because I mean there was some health issues involved in this as well, but. The idea that God wants to say you need new food. Too many times, especially old churches, will live on past glories. We used to do such and such, and and I don't know what happened, but we're no longer doing it. Well, let's move on to the next thing God is bringing us to do. Let's keep moving forward with God. Find the next thing, and you'll see that a lot of times churches trying to live off the past. You know, the past. I remember when we had revivals and. 20 or 30 people would come forward a night. Well, get moving. What's the next thing that God's telling you to do? Well, I remember when we had visitors all the time. Well, what do we need to do to bring visitors back in? How do we get that growth back? You know, quit living in the past. And this is true not just of our spiritual life, but of our physical life. We've got got to be where we don't live in the past. God said his name is I am that I am. He's the God of the moment that we're living in. That's the only thing we have any control of is in in the moment we're in and it passes by in a nanosecond or even faster. I don't know what's faster than a nanosecond, but it passes by before we can even recognize that it's there, it's passed. And that's the only moment of time we have control over. And God says, I am the God of the I am. He said, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. And he didn't treat them as dead because they're in his presence. He is the God of today. He's the God of what's going on at the moment. He's not the God of the future. Well, okay, sometime in the near future I'll be there with God. And No, we do have a promise for the future. We have heaven to look forward to. We have eternity being in his presence. But we also have him right this moment. I love to challenge people and ask them, when does, et- when does eternal life start? Inevitably, they'll say in heaven. But no, eternal life starts the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and He gives us life that lasts forever. And as we, as we read in 1 Corinthians on, on Sunday, when we die and we are absent from this body, we are present with the Lord. While we are in this body, we're absent from the Lord. So the moment we die, we transition from this world, this flesh, we are glorified and stand before God. And it'll be a wonderful time for Christians. Death is not something for Christians to fear. It's just a, a, a change of state, status. We're no longer flesh, we are spiritual. And then God will give us a new body and, and we will be totally redeemed in the future. Very important for us to understand this, that we are spiritual beings with a spiritual destination, but we are also spirit now. When God comes into our life, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He makes us alive. Our spirit is made alive, and we are in eternal life from that point forward. It's an amazing thought. We are a new creation because we have a new spirit. A spirit that is in a relationship with the God of the universe. Very powerful thought. Verse 19, And the flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burnt with fire, and as for the flesh, all that is clean shall eat thereof. So this is the idea. Anything that's unclean, that's dead, that is of the flesh, contaminates the clean. Now, in a practical sense, we know that you don't need something that's dead dies of its own own, own causes because you don't know why it died and it could be contagious and it's not good for you. But it's also a spiritual truth. If we come in contact with the uncleanness of the works of the flesh, we need to be purified. We need to be clean because the works of the flesh will contaminate everything that we do. And we've talked about this how, when we stand before Jesus, anything done in the flesh will be burnt up. It has no value because it is dead. Anything of the flesh is dead. If I do it in my own strength, it is dead. It is worthless. And it needs to be burnt up and will be burnt up when we stand at the beam of seed of Christ. And he does not want anything unclean brought brought to us. He doesn't want us living with anything unclean and especially in the spiritual world or the physical world but especially in the physical in the spiritual world because the uncleanness of the spiritual world will contaminate everything that we do and it's so amazing how sometimes we will watch shows, listen to, read books, listen to music that is unclean in our mind and we know when we do because we find our mind starting to shift into Unclean thoughts, and I'm not even talking about vulgar thoughts or anything, but I'm talking about just things that are unclean. They violate what God wants us to think, act, do, be, and He says it's going to burn up. It's going to be burnt, and you need it. you need to be purified. So very important that we watch. We watch when we when we fall into these things. We watch it when we get there, and as soon as we become aware that we have been made unclean. We come before him and we ask for forgiveness. We, we repent from what we're, where we're at and ask for a change in our, in our being. And it's very important, very important for us. Verse 20, the soul that eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that pertains unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. And again, this is the idea that the flesh will make people unclean. And don't go to God when you're, you know, God doesn't want us before Him when we're unclean. He wants us to repent. He wants us to say, God, I am am sorry for what I've done. I want to turn back to you. And repentance is important. The confession to God of our sins is very important because it puts it before Him and says, God, I want it to be under the blood. I, I want to be forgiven of this sin. It does not have eternal consequences if we forget it, but it does have... Well, I'm going to change that. It. it does have some eternal consequences because it keeps us from getting fruit that survives. It keeps us from putting treasures that will be consecrated and go into heaven. So it, does, it doesn't It does have eternal salvation heart, re- pra- pra- but it does have eternal consequences. When we sin and we live in that sin and we are unclean, it has eternal consequences. We lose treasure that we should have for eternity because we are contaminated with that sin. So very important for us to understand. You know, but it's very important because what we earn on this earth is what we're going to have for eternity. The treasure we have earned on this earth will be what we have for eternity. And will set it will set our status of some at some level. Whatever status means in heaven will it bear status because he said, if you remember the parable of the talents, the one the one the guy that had one talent hit it and he said, take from him that had one Give it to him who has, who has 10, okay? Because there was a consequence for not serving and a reward for having served. So we want to be able to look at this, that God says, stay clean spiritually. Stay clean. We're walking around getting dirty and we need to repent. We need to come to him and say, forgive me. Forgive me. And God has already forgiven us. He's already done it, but it, the idea is that he doesn't want us cut off from a relationship with him during that time. Verse 21, Moreover the soul that shall touch any unclean thing is the uncleanness of man or any unclean beast or any abomin- abominable unclean thing and to eat the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering which pertains to the Lord, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Again, the idea that the flesh has to be killed. And this is very much, when I was reading this, I was thinking about Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. The sin in my life needs to be crucified. It needs to be killed. It needs to be destroyed so that I can go forward and live the way God wants me to live. It all, it all becomes very powerful. There's a huge circle in everything you read about in the scriptures because it all is interrelated and, and connected together because it has one overarching author, and that is God. 40 different men wrote the book using their words and their styles but it is God that gave them the information to put in and it it's a book that has no contradictions and that's an amazing thing when 40 different people write it's, you know, you usually you can't even get one person to write more than one thing and not contradict themselves and yet we've got 40 authors who don't contradict themselves and it's very important we see a growing picture put out in the word of God It starts Starts at a very elementary area, and then keeps building on it, and building on it, and building on it. And God says, I'm going to give you more and more of the picture, but it never contradicts. It expands upon. And the Lord spoke, uh, verse 22. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, "Speak to the children of Israel, saying, You shall eat no manner of fat or of the ox, of the sheep, or of the goat, And the fat of the beast that dies of itself, the fat of that which is torn with the beast, may be used in any other use, but it may, but ye shall in no wise eat it. So this is kind of an interesting thing that the fat was prohibited to the Jews. And I'm not sure why it was prohibited other than God says that it was prohibited. And I don't know if there was any reason for it. uh, Leviticus 3.17 said that it was a perpetual statute between Israel and God, that they would not eat fat or blood, okay? So this is something that God said, no blood, no fat. Uh, and part of it is because of it, it is being such a, you know, it is part of the luxury thing. It's where the flavor, you know, favor, and I don't think they meant all the marble of the meat. They were talking about those big chunks of fat sitting on the outsides of the, of the meat. Or a huge vein of fat would have to be cut out. But a little marbling, I don't think they had to worry about. And that baked, that cooked out. Uh, but they weren't allowed to eat the fat. The best part of the meat, the flavoring of the meat, was given to God. And it was His. It was to be His. And it was a perpetual statute between God and Israel. And that's what He said in, in Leviticus 3.17, that it is a perpetual statute between the people and God. And it's very much what the Sabbath day is. With all the rules on the Sabbath day, God said this is a perpetual statute between the Israelites and himself that they would honor Sabbath day and do no work on it. And so we want to look at, look at that. Uh, verse 20, uh, well, if, the, if the animal was dist- was died of its own use or was torn apart by animals, in other words, it wasn't made as a sacrifice where the fat was given to God, they could use the fat for other things. And the things you would usually use fat for were oil. burning down into oil, melting down into oil lamps or candles or to, to grease things down. So they could use the fat of animals that died of their own old age or sickness for those kind of things. And they could use, if an animal was torn by a, by a wolf or a lion or a bear, they could use the fat of that animal, and, but they could not eat it. And you couldn't use the one that was sacrificed because it was automatically going to God and was being burnt. Verse 26, Moreover, you shall eat no manner of blood, whether it be of fowl or beast or in any of your dwellings, whatsoever soul it be that eateth any manner of blood, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. So again, God is stringent with the blood. And... Part of that comes in where he says the the blood is the the life of the, the body is in the blood, and what that means we don't fully know, but we do know that without blood people die, uh, and how that actually works we don't fully understand it. Blood instantly oxidizes in the in the lungs, and when it gets to the cells it instantly unoxidizes. The iron in your blood literally becomes rust and unrusted thousands of times a day as it goes through the body. And it does this rusting faster than anything we know of. Uh, so there's some catalyst that makes it do that. The the blood feeds the feeds the body its nutrients. It does everything. Without blood there is no life. And God had told us that way back in Genesis that the life of the blood, uh, the life of the uh, the flesh is in the blood, and it's a very amazing thing that God has done this. It's it's something that He has done for us. The, the blood, Genesis nine four tells when they got off the ark, they said the the blood is the life of the flesh. They weren't able to eat it. Uh, Deuteronomy twelve sixteen that the blood was to be poured out onto the ground. It was not to be other than what they sprinkled on things to anoint it It was not the rest of it was poured out in 1st Samuel 1434 Saul goes into battle and he tells the people no one was to eat eat while they chased the enemy because he wanted a big conquering and then when he did let the people eat they fell upon the meat so fast that they didn't let the blood get out of the bodies and and Samuel came along and, and said stop you're, oh, no. you're sinning and, and he brought all the body you know had them bring all the animals there and he cut the throats and, and drained, drained the blood out in uh, Acts 15 20 the one thing that the the disciples said that the only thing that they were going to put on the Jew, the Gentiles was that they abstained from blood so you know the idea of the blood the blood is precious it costs blood to be forgiven for sins which was Jesus's blood the, the animals were the the picture of that blood, and it was always to be brought to the priests. The priests were the ones that killed the, the meat that they, they used for their food, especially during this time, time frame. Later on, the, the rules were relaxed a little bit when they spread out all across the country, uh, but during this period of time, they had to go to the tabernacle and have their animals sacrificed and, and killed by the priest. And part of the thing, you know, we think about this: what is the priest's job? The job of the priest was to stand between God to bring the people to God. Okay, that was their job. Their job was to bring them and make them acceptable before God. You know, we are a royal priesthood. Our job in in, in this in this day and the world we live in is to bring, to stand between people and God, and to bring them to God. We do that by giving the gospel out, to talking to them about who God is and how to be saved and, and teaching them. We, Jesus was the, the Lamb, and the Israelite people became the priest to the world. They offered the, the sacrifice of sin for the world without knowing it. They acted as priests. So this is, this is one of the things that we look at. This is, a, this is going on that God is saying, no fat to be consumed, no blood to be consumed. It belongs to him. And, he's, you know, and he says that this is gonna be what you're gonna do forever. It's gonna be perpetual. And if you eat it, you shall be cut off. That means excommunicated at, at best or killed at worst. Uh, so somebody that ate fat or blood in, in, in Israel was to be at the very least cut off from the temper- tabernacle. You're not allowed to come back. Or if it could have been capital punishment, this word could be either 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 meaning on that. So it's a very serious thing for them to, to do these type of things that would make them. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. He that offereth the sacrifice of his peace offering unto the Lord shall bring his oblation unto the Lord and the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hand shall bring the offering of, offering of the Lord made by fire. The fat of the, the breast shall he bring, and the breast may be wave for a wave offering before the Lord and the priest shall burn the fat upon the altar but the breast shall be Aaron and his sons the right shoulder shall you give unto the priest for the heave offering of the sacrifice of your peace offerings and among the sons of Aaron that offer the blood of the peace offering and the fat thereof shall have the right shoulder for his part for the wave wave breast and for the heave shoulder I have taken of the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings to be given them unto Aaron the priest and to his sons by statute forever, for among the children of Israel. Okay, so we go back to this peace offering, this idea of the, the offering between God and I, or you know, between God and his people, the peace offering for celebration. The celebration of the salvation, the celebration of all these other offerings. And this one has that it's a wave offering going side to side and a heave offering going up and down. This whole idea of a peace offering—I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with people, and that's why it went into the number one. It had to be voluntary, and to prove that it was voluntary, the person was the one who did who did the presentation of the shoulder and the and the rump. The priest would burn the burn the fat, and then the priest would get the shoulder, but they were to use it as a heave. Remember that was the up and down between God. But then they were to also wave it side to side, which was that celebration between individual people. Because as they had their celebration with God, they would invite people to help them eat this meat that was going to be wasted if it didn't get eaten. So they'd have a big party out of this. So this was between them and God for the Thanksgiving and then between individuals. Side to side, a horizontal uh, special time and a vertical special time with God. And they were to be able to do this. The reward to Aaron's sons, the priest, they got a reward for service. And you know, we get a reward from service when we we really want to know something. The best way to ever learn something is to teach. If you really want to learn something, you teach somebody else how to do it. Because you have to think about how to make it simple enough for them to understand. You have to be able to simplify it. Teaching is the greatest way of learning something yourself. And it is also the greatest blessing when you teach somebody and you watch that moment where they get it. There's that aha and they understand finally. And there's a blessing there. There's the blessing of just serving God. There's also tears involved in it when people don't respond to what you try to teach or won't learn. Not that they're incapable of learning, but sometimes won't learn. And God is saying... The priests get the reward. They've served, they get a reward. And that's the way it is in the kingdom. As we are a royal priesthood, if you want to get something from God, start serving others. Start serving others. Jesus, when he went and washed the feet of the disciples, he did what was the lowest servant's job. The lowest servant's job, but he served his disciples. And he says, whoever wants to be the greatest in the kingdom should be must be the servant of all. And God's kingdom is totally reversed from our way of thinking. In the human way of thinking, it's like, okay, I want to be in charge of everything, so I'm going to work hard and be the one that bosses everybody around. And God says, no, if you want to be if you want to be the chief, you need to serve. You need to be willing to serve. You need to you need to you think you're special, go go wash the tables, go clean the bathrooms, go Go do the lowest job in the church and, and, and show that you deserve anything. And that is what true leadership's all about. The true leader does not think, well, I'm above everybody else. I'm, I'm too good to do whatever it might be that needs to be done. And yet, when you serve people, then you get elevated. People realize that you're showing God's love. And this isn't something you use to manipulate people with. It's, it's just you, your heart of love says, I'm going to serve Jesus Jesus served his his disciples. He did the little things for them. He walked with them and he talked with them. And he did for them. He helped, you know, more than once. He sat on the seashore and, and cooked the fish for them. You know, there's a great value in serving others because there's that humility that God wants to see in people. That we are not special just because God is using us. We are, matter of fact, we're. You know, I heard one pastor say that he uses people just because they, they're not worth, worth anything else. He's got to use, you know, make, lift them up so they think that think they're important. I think it was a little bit tongue in cheek, but I also understand what he's saying by it. Sometimes people need that, you know, that recognition to keep them moving. And getting into the, getting into teaching forces you to study God's word and get in, dig into it so you have something to share with others. Uh, it's very important that we sit there and we know that this is what I've got. I'm going to get my reward from God in heaven, but also in this earth. We get rewarded even on this earth. Ultimately, our great reward is in heaven. And that is what we're always working for. When it seems like nothing's going our way, then we say, thank you, God. I've got a great reward in heaven, and thank you anyway. And I've talked about this. How many times did the disciples say when they suffered, thank you that I have been found worthy to suffer like Jesus. We need to understand that point of view. If God is letting us suffer, it is because he has deemed us strong enough spiritually to be worthy of suffering like Jesus did. If he didn't think that we would be able to handle the suffering, he wouldn't let it happen. And then we should be worrying about why we're not suffering. And unfortunately, a lot of the American church is in that place where God does not deem them worthy of suffering because of how weak they are. God is saying, you're going to suffer. You know, the American gospel pretty much is, come to Jesus and everything's going to be good. And that's such a lie that we tell people. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. you now we look at what they did to Jesus. They put him on a cross. They scourged him. The disciples were scourged, beaten, and killed. Why should we think that we are any better than they are? Because there is nothing special about us. There's nothing special about why we should not have to be going through suffering, because that is what it does. So we look at this and it's this voluntary peace offering, the peace offering, I am at peace with God, but not only with God, I'm at peace with others. And this is where it becomes quite important. The more we lean on God, the more we're gonna be at peace with others. Why? Because God becomes our defense. I don't have to defend myself against others. I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not. Because God is going to live through me, He's going to love people through me, I am going to be lifted up and I'm going to be at peace because I'm at peace with God. And it doesn't matter what people are doing to me or saying about me or attacking me because God is the one who is keeping me. And that peace is just so wonderful. And the New Testament talks about the peace that passes understanding. And when you when you get to where you have the peace that passes understanding, all hell is breaking out around your life, and you're just like, okay, God, what, are, you know, I'm inside you. This is this is wonderful. The 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 ark is being kind of shaken a little bit, but you you're protecting me. You're lifting me up above the floods. You're lifting me up and keeping me protected. And that the peace, that ultimate peace. Verse 35. This is the portion of the anointing of Aaron and of the anointing of his sons out of the offerings of the Lord made by fire in the day which he presents them to minister unto the Lord in the priest office, which the Lord commanded to be given them by the children of Israel in that day that they be anointed them by the statute forever throughout their generations. This is the custom or the law of the burnt offering, the meat offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, and of the consecrations and of the sacrifice of the peace offerings which the Lord commanded Moses in Mount Sinai in the day that he commanded the children of Israel to offer the oblations to the Lord in the wilderness of sin. And just one thing I want to point out is this last statement of the way he ordered the offerings was different from the way he gave them to them at the beginning. In the beginning he gave, a, he gave them to us that they were the burnt offering. Which was the offering of dedication and then they were to go to the meat offering consecration and in the beginning he went to the peace offering the three voluntary offerings first but here he lists it last and we want to look at this first he wants us to be dedicated be totally burnt up and consumed for him then he wants us to have the meat offering that consecration of service that celebration that i you know that i am going to serve him Then he starts getting into the trespass offering, and that is the offering of propitiation. Anybody remember what propitiation means? That is the payment that satisfies for a wrong that is done. Okay? Then he goes to the sacrifice of of the trespass offering, which is the one that restores us into fellowship. And then once all four of those offerings are done, he says, then you can have the peace with me. You've, you've dedicated yourself. You've consecrated yourself for service. You've you've offered the, you've accepted the propitiation offering, the, the payment for the sin. You've been restored. Now you can celebrate with God. And it really, for us as we've been in practice, that's our order of making it happen. We go through that order. And then we have fulfilled the sacrifices. And we're going to end here. Because I don't want to go into chapter 8 yet. And close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you and, and, and just learn of your word and the sacrifices and just the for the way that you touch us with these sacrifices, Lord. And, and the fact that you've repeated it now three times in just seven chapters is that we need to pay attention and understand it. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.